Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The legends are true. We're overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Davis Maddock here with my friend Justin Freeman to not talk about the NFL, but instead to talk about a different type of fantasy football because we have the USFL. It's uh, it's it's we're we're doing it again. We did the AAF. We did three weeks of the XFL, and then uh, the novel coronavirus pandemic forced that league to shut down its operations, but we're here and we are going to have football in April. And I, I will hear no complaints about it, Justin. Yeah. And we are live here in Birmingham, trying to get some boots on the ground coverage here of the USFL. And uh, let me tell you the people in Birmingham also, so not super excited about the USFL. The only people who are truly excited about this product are the sickos who are going to be betting on the games, filling up the DraftKings lobby. And that's what we're going to do here is talk about how to uh, take advantage of what may not be the world's best football product. But, uh, you know, we can still have fun with it one way or the other. Yeah. And, and you know what? I, I was just telling you before we got on, we got to We got to take it as it comes. You know, I think. Um, one thing the XFL did really correctly was they hired a lot of head coaches who were kind of perfect for that format, right? They hired Hal Mummy and, and Bob Stoops. And I, was Tressman involved or did I make that up? Um, yeah, he was. Yeah. So it's like, you know, coaches who are, are, are pretty forward thinking. They at least theoretically wanted to air the ball out. And um, I, I'm just, let's just get this out of the way right now. These teams are going to run the dang ball like that. It just, it just is. If you look at the, at the coaches they hired, um, honestly, even if you look at the quarterbacks available, some of them uh, we will remember from the AAF and from the XFL, you know, uh, Jordan Tamu, for example. Um, yeah. I mean, Tamu was good for the battle Hawks. And, and I think, I don't know, he seems like one of the 96 best quarterbacks in the world. Like I'm, I'm kind of surprised he is not on an NFL roster, but just from a from a high level, what are you sort of expecting the football to be like the first couple of weeks? Well, week one especially, not only are we talking about teams that have only been together for like less than a month, um, you'll be talking about some really vanilla playbooks here. Um, yeah, each team's going to be rolling out their best dozen plays in this game and just running them on repeat over and over again uh, for different downs and distances. I don't anticipate you're going to see a lot of different looks. You know, the defenses are going to line up primarily in base. You know, the offenses are going to have a handful of formations that they shuffle in and out. But one thing I'm noticing from being here is that, you know, these rosters are so thin, everybody's got to be involved. Like there is no, you know, starting three wide set for these teams. Yeah. All the receivers on the whole depth chart have to play or else they won't make it to the end of the season. Like it's, it's, it's just necessity. But the football itself – 
it may be a little rough. It may be a little tough to watch. Um, you know, I was talking with Cody uh, Maine from ETR and Pat Mayo, uh, your good buddy, uh, just recently. And, and, you know, we still think there's some value on these unders. Uh, they initially got yes. posted about at, 50. at Fox bet. They were like super high, right? Yeah. But even now, like they're hammered into like the low to mid forties and they're still probably too high. Um, so I think there's, um, that, that tells you a little bit about what to expect. Um, you know, the offensive lines are going to struggle with pass protection as a unit be the first time they've seen live pressure uh, as a unit uh, together. So uh, I think you're going to see a lot of sacks, a lot of turnovers, uh, some good defensive scoring and not a lot of touchdowns, but um, uh, overall, like you just got to be thinking as a DFS player, how do you take that and make it your advantage? Just to, just to give people an example, these were the scores week one of the XFL. The Battlehawks and the Renegades played. It was 9-15. to 15. The <sighs> Guardians and the Vipers played. It was 23-3. to 3. Uh, This next score is anomalous because this was the really good team. The Houston Roughnecks scored 37 points against the Los Angeles Wildcats, who scored 17. And that sounds high. And then you realize that they had multiple players who were then signed by NFL teams. PJ Walker started a couple games for the Panthers. I think Cam Phillips is a practice squad wide receiver. And one of their other guys who I'm forgetting right now, uh, the the running back, the running back came back to the NFL after. um, And then uh, the DC defender scored 31, but two of them were defensive. It's so sick. I remember this, but two of those scores Mm -hmm. were DST touchdowns. And I just remember that it swung the slate on DraftKings and the Seattle Dragons scored 19. Uh, In fact, I think there were only five instances, six instances in the five week existence of the XFL where a team scored 30 or more points. So this is not going to be uh, the, the big 12 run and shoot. And I actually don't think it's a question of wide receiver, running back quarterback talent. I actually think it's just because any offensive lineman who shows a semblance of being any good would be on an NFL roster. You know, most teams carry 10 offensive linemen with additional guys on the practice squad. So like to be out, I mean, do that math. That's you're, you're not one of the 300, 310 best offensive linemen in the world. You know, it's a, it's a tough situation to be in. Yeah. And on the flip side, interior defensive talent can typically be a little bit more universal. I think, um, and think about like how, how much worse, the end of the roster offensive linemen are in the NFL. I mean, there are starting roster, uh, starting offensive linemen in the NFL that are purely terrible. So you can imagine, like, if that's the that's the bar, like, it, it's it's really going to be tough for these offensive linemen to hang. But like overall, like, just take that. That's information. It doesn't necessarily have to be good or bad. It may not be great for the product, but you know, it's going to mean chaos. Uh, you know, you remember you were just talking about the Dallas Renegades scoring nine points, I think in week one. And we all year. thought they were going to be the best team. Yeah. Landry Jones was the quarterback. I mean, that sounds he, hilarious. Well, well he, remember he hurt his knee though. He hurt his knee and the, the Instagram model guy had to come in. <laughs> I don't even remember that guy's name. Who was that? Uh, I, I don't remember his name. He had extremely long hair. Let's see if I can, let's see if I can pull up uh, oh gosh, the, the box score for them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but so like, I, I think as I'm looking at the eight teams in this league right now, I kind of have them divided into tiers. There's three teams that I want a lot of. There's three teams I want none of. And then there's two teams kind of smack in the middle that, uh, you know, we can go either way on the three teams not to touch just 
If you want to have X amount of the player pool, fine, but maybe set a cap no more than one of these guys per uh, roster is Pittsburgh, the Maulers. That's Kirby Wilson's team. Kirby Wilson, longtime NFL running backs coach, like almost 30 years in the league as a running backs coach, coached Adrian Peterson, coached Josh Jacobs, um, coached a lot of uh, really talented players along the way. Um, but they're, they're going to want to establish it early. Like uh, that's going to be part of their bread and butter, which means that, uh, you know, Madre London uh, running back for that team may be somebody you want to consider. Uh, the other guy there is Garrett Groshek, a guy who um, I think I'll lean London in that particular situation. Um, but yeah, Pittsburgh, not a team I want to target very heavily on the passing game. Uh, the other two teams I don't really want much of is the New Jersey Generals. They uh, they're coached by Mike Riley. Um, they've if they start Luis Perez at quarterback, which is kind of what it seems like they're going to do. Their their first round pick Ben Holmes, the quarterback, broke his foot already in training camp, so he's out. So now there's a QB battle between Luis Perez and DeAndre Johnson. If Johnson plays, I could be kind of interested, but Perez, like we've seen him, he's been in every spring league ever, and he is as mediocre as it gets extremely and, mediocre uh yeah he's really and, not and, very good yeah and then the uh the third team is the houston gamblers uh despite having one of the better names and mascots in the league just uh you know and, and a coach who i think has actually decent in kevin sumlin uh, his, but his tendency ratios in the past, plus Clayton Thorson, at quarterback, plus not really having a ton of other talent. Like those are three teams. I just don't want that much. of. Yeah. Uh, so there, yeah. Clayton Thorson, uh, people remember him from Northwestern. He, he just is, uh, he's just trying to, he's just trying to hand the ball off really is, uh, is, is kind of what it comes down to now, obviously there are, you know, some, some more interesting names, some guys who we do expect to be, uh, a little bit better. A couple of the wide receivers whose names uh, jumped out to me, Devin Gray, who plays on the Philadelphia team. He struck me as uh, as pretty decent. There are also some some NFL guys here. Taewon Taylor plays on the New Orleans franchise and Brennan Eagles for this opening slate. He's priced at 4,400. Brendan Eagles was a really good receiver at, I mean, not really good. He was a good receiver at the University uh, of Texas. And uh, Jonathan Adams, who went to Arkansas, kind of thought he would make it in the NFL, and he plays for New Orleans as well. So those were just some of the guys that uh, that who, who seemed interesting to me as far as, far as pass catchers, because my guess would be much like the XFL. And, and honestly, this is just true of NFL DFS, that uh, running back workload is going to become fairly projectable after a week, two weeks. Um, but, you know, the figuring out, the spike week stuff at wide receiver is basically going to be how these big tournaments are won. Yeah, exactly. I mean, especially when we're not uh, anticipating a ton of touchdowns across the board, right. piling up that PPR uh, stats. Like it, you, you don't necessarily have to have the guy who scored a touchdown. Like you don't need running back Darnell Holland who went 12 rushes for 30 yards and a touchdown. Like you could just as easily replace that with Devin Gray, uh, who goes four for 50 and didn't get a touchdown. So now you're, you're there um, with a, just a completely different path there. So, yeah, I, I think you've, you've brought up some interesting guys. I was just checking out uh, stars practice this morning uh, and uh, boots, on, e boots are literally on the ground in Birmingham, everyone. <laughs> I'm sure they will throw me out of these places if they knew I was there. But uh, yeah, Brendan Eagles, I, I did not see working a ton with the first first group there. Um, what was funny is like I was there with the Panthers yesterday and um, 
they've really mixed in everybody all day long, uh, quarterbacks included. Whereas like for Philadelphia, where Brian Scott is a starting quarterback, uh, Case Cookus, the backup, never took a snap of anything team related. It was all Scott all the time. And uh, the primary group with him was Jordan Sewell and Devin Gray out on the perimeters and DeAndre Overton kind of mixing in there as well as the third receiver, uh, Bug Howard and uh, Pro Wells were the two tight ends that seemed to mix in a lot there too. Uh, Darnell Holland does look like the starting running back, but um, I think like we're talking about salaries and stuff, salaries almost just don't even matter this week. I mean, because there's just so many different ways you could position your roster. Um, and, and there's so many guys that are probably mispriced by a factor of two X or something. Um, so I, I honestly am not caught up too much in salaries this week. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I mean, I think is a good point. Like that's kind of the old, uh, heuristic is like, well, if the salary's higher, that guy's got to be better. And, uh, you know, maybe that will be true four weeks into the season. But right now, I mean, look, our, our friends over at DraftKings.com, they're just guessing, right? I mean, at the end of the day, yeah. right, they are, uh, which is, is, is good or bad, uh, you know, depending on your perspective. So, I, I mean, getting quarterback right is obviously going to be pretty important uh, because, well, get, I mean, how many of these guys are even going to run, right? Because that, that, that's pretty important, figuring out the guys who are going to run. So, you know, assuming Tamu starts, he will probably run. Uh, what a blast from the past, seeing Paxton Lynch's name in a, in a DFS slate. He probably would run um, a little bit. But in terms of, of guys who we're expecting to run outside of those two, what's your, what's your scouting report like? Yeah, I think you will see Shea Patterson run it just a little bit. Um, so he's the starting quarterback for the Michigan Panthers. Um, he's starting ahead of Paxton Lynch, although, you know, as I mentioned, Paxton Lynch was mixing in there as well. But uh, they actually had a period of practice where um, they were doing some speed option stuff and some even QB power. Uh, so I think if they get in close to the goal line, you could see some designed runs for the quarterbacks on that team. Um, you know, some of these guys, if DeAndre Johnson somehow wins the starting job for New Jersey, he's going to be he, he's your Konami guy at quarterback. Um, even though he plays for a team that I have no real interest in. Uh, I don't know whether we'll find that information out or not. That to me could be a really big key to the slate. Again, if it's Luis Perez, just go ahead and X out all those pass catchers from the player pool. Um, but yeah, I, I think you nailed it with Tamu Clayton Thorson. He's a bigger guy. He can, he can certainly drop his shoulder if he wants to, but um, you know, I think it's, it's almost kind of table stakes at this point, as far as like what it takes to have a, uh, a quarterback skill set in the year 2022 like you've got to be able to at least take the the free yards the defense gives you on a scramble but uh you know there's not a ton of guys that are you know a one-to-one -one comparison with a guy like tamu who we've seen actually take off and you know probably projects for something like 30 35 yards on the ground each game yeah which is yeah i, I think which i think is actually a good point you made which is that i mean this is true of like nfl quarterbacks too like we're worried like you know, 10 years ago, Carson Strong in this NFL draft, like the guy can't move at all, but he's got a really strong arm. He would have been, I don't know, a second round pick at worst. And now because he can't move, it's like uh, maybe he makes it to day three, which uh, yeah. is, is even sort of interesting in this league that we expect to play very conventionally to see those things playing out. So uh, what ended up happening in the XFL was that getting like a hundred yard rushing game. I don't even remember if there was one. Uh, I, I don't think there was, maybe there was, but it just was too hard, right? At yeah. the end of the day, it was just too hard to run. So the guys who had a ton of value were Cameron Artis Payne, 
who caught like six passes a game. They were playing in that that air raid style offense. So which of the running backs, like, you know, the, the, I guess the right way to phrase this question would be, who would be the first pick in a USFL seasonal fantasy draft if you were second up to do such a thing? If you were doing it at the running back position? Yeah. Whew, that's tough. I mean, you're kind of immediately drawn towards some of these guys and two-person backfields. Like each of these teams has – no fewer than two, no more than three running backs on roster. So it's almost like, well, if you give me the committee of two, I'll take that over the committee of three just by basic math alone. Uh, and it's probably Madre London, the guy from Pittsburgh, uh, on the team that we know wants to pound the rock. Um, he is a guy that was playing professionally in Europe uh, as of like a couple weeks ago. And he and had insane got, stats, right? He had like yeah. like a thousand more yards than every other guy in that developmental league or whatever. Right. And this is like not even NFL Europe. This is uh, the European League of Football or something like this. So anyway, it's yeah, maybe it's not the uh, it's not the NFL or even the G League, so to speak. Uh, It's but, you know, the guy came in and uh, seems to have made a a name for himself already. But only he and Garrett Groshek are the only two running backs on roster there, plus a fullback named Mikey Daniel, who obviously is not going to be super involved in the run game. Uh, But maybe for Tampa, B.J. Emmons is a name that stands out uh, as being a, a running back, one, uh, one of two person running back uh, and has the most draft capital over his teammate, Juwan Washington. Um, so maybe that's kind of where you would go there. Um, but if you're looking for more of that, like Cameron artist Payne, Lance Dunbar type of guy. Yes. That, um, that those were, and you play them together even like, cause, yeah. they, cause of how, of how much that offense checked down. Yeah then maybe it's Cameron Scarlett for the Panthers, um, a guy who you've probably seen at the tail end of some NFL rosters. Uh, Cameron Scar- Scarlett lined up uh, occasionally like in the slot and, uh, and was out there running routes. And so uh, he's almost like a, an additional fifth receiver for this team. So uh, you could see him actually out there on the field at the same time as Stevie Scott leading running back for the Panthers. But Cameron Scarlett, maybe the guy gets you four catches and 40 yards and that's enough. Yeah. So I think that's a, I think that's a good overview there. I, some other names people might know uh, Larry Rose, the uh, third was a pretty, pretty good college running back. Um, you know, I, again, I don't have a sense of like how, and, and that is a, that is a, a three guy backfield and, and another, another guy who was on NFL rosters, TJ Logan. Uh, what I think saints, maybe he, he was on the, the bottom end of their roster for a while. He was an NFL running back. Um, that that's one people know Tony Brooks, James, who was on the, uh, the Steelers for, I think he even actually he even got, even got some carries, which is, yeah. uh, that is, uh, you know, pretty, and I, he was a punt returner as well, which would lead me to believe that he would have some of the agility required to, um, catch a couple of these passes. And I think, uh, the running backs will be sort of easy to suss out after week one. Um, you know, I don't imagine though, that we're going to get like, routes run information that snap counts will probably be available. Someone, someone will find a way to get those. Um, so the, and I do like that they did wide receiver, tight end, double flex on, uh, on, on DraftKings. I think that was a good decision as opposed to forcing you to play a tight end. So wide receivers, who do we got? Who, who is in the NFL? Who are we expecting to be good? What do we, what do we got here? Uh, Lance Lenore from your Cowboys. Uh, you remember that name? Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, he is a Michigan Panther. He should be the apple of Shea Patterson's eye. Uh, Jordan Sewell from Philadelphia. Um, 
he is a huge tall drink of water guy, uh, like the typical Rotoviz guy, tall, fast, uh, you know, wins on the outside. And uh, do you remember former New England Patriot Isaiah Zuber? Isaiah Zuber, yeah. Uh, was he Wisconsin, I want to say? I, I, yeah. Uh, he was I – do, I do remember him. He was mostly a special teamer. Let's see here. No, yeah. he was uh, – he, he went to my alma mater. We even, we even overlapped for a year at, uh, at Kansas State. How about that? We were both there in, in 2015, me and Zuber. You pretty much have to lock him into 150 at this point. Yeah, right? I think I think we got and and <laughs> I would guess I would guess by the way that some of these really expensive wide receivers uh, are not going to see a ton of ownership just because it's not clear. It's like Isaiah Zuber is you know a, a coin flip with JoJo Ward or whatever. Right. So why would I play that? So that's that's a strategy element I'd not thought of yet. But some of these expensive pass catchers when we have no clue of their roles. Um, you know, it just feels like probably they won't end up being that high owned. It'll depend. Honestly, a lot of this is going to depend on what happens in the ETR projections, because we even see those projections significantly impact, you know, ownership in NFL contests. So when it's even smaller like this, um, that, that, which will, will be something to, to monitor for sure. It's really a levels game here. You got to figure out how many levels deep you want to go. Do you just want to like play the best projections because that's almost all we know? Or do you want to take it a step further and really go with uh, some ownership considerations and that sort of thing too? Uh, I mean, if, if there was a good way to project ownership, like it would, you, you certainly should be uh, flipping that upside down and, uh, and using that as your way to get different uh, because I would bet if you optimize this slate after the fact, the winning lineup is going to be like 40 points removed from what the optimal is. Like it's oh, going to be more, maybe even. Yeah. It's going to be a long way off. Uh, and that says a lot on a four game slate uh, that you, you could be so far off. Uh, you're going to need to nail the one defense that goes nuclear because somebody's going to go nuclear and you're going to need to stack up around the right quarterback. And I think, you know, realistically, you could probably limit that down to half the starting quarterbacks in the league. Uh, if you wanted to just kind of focus your builds on those guys, but uh, it's just like, could try to use roster construction as your friend. Like think about the fact that you don't know, but nobody else knows either. Um, so how can you embrace that variance? I think adding a lot of pass catchers, fading the running back position where there's just kind of dead points there. Um, you know, try to get different by getting the, the guy who can uh, bust loose for the one long touchdown that happens that game. Uh, you know, so I think trying to max that out with four wide receivers is probably going to be a pretty smart move. Yeah. What are your, what are your thoughts on stacking? Um, do we, are, are we thinking uh, double stacking, uh, including the running back with the stack bringing uh, like, I, and, and my guess would actually be that bringing back probably won't work in general, probably won't be GTO. Yeah. That would, that would just be my guess. Cause I think we'll see a gulf of, of talent level likely between some of these teams. Um, so what are your, what are just some of your overarching thoughts on that in these contests? Yeah, I mean, uh, game stacks are fine if they work out on their own, so to speak. Like, if the two teams you happen to like that week happen to be playing to each other, then that's a good thing. Like, now they shoot out and the one game carries you. And I think kind of what's likely to happen 
is that there are one to two offenses that really separate themselves. Like you're just trying to find who is this year's Houston Roughnecks, right? I mean, if you, if you knew who the Houston Roughnecks were going to be heading into week one of the XFL season, Rich. you would only play those guys. Yeah. I mean, that's it. So it's like, well, one of these eight teams is going to be the Roughnecks more than likely. I doubt this is like a ton of parody. There's just, it's, it's too raw for everything to work out super evenly. Somebody's just going to be heads and tails way better than everybody else. Um, and so you just want to, to me, that means load up on those teams. You know, somebody, one of these teams may have the four touchdown game, uh, in which case you're going to want a, a, as much of that offense as you can get. And I think we can realistically narrow that down to roughly half the teams. Yeah. So uh, let's uh, let's let's go through. Let's look at let's look at some of these teams that we expect. So, for example, let's look at at Tampa Bay. We are hoping and we're honestly we might not even know until the game starts that that Jordan Ta'amu is going. His running backs are B.J. Emmons and Juwan Washington. And they uh, I, I've taken a, a look at a couple of the projections that are available. And it does seem like uh, Derek Willies is going to be a guy who pulls some ownership because he's got the affordable price tag, uh, the, the quarterback or whatever. So looking at, at this depth chart, how would you start? And, and we mentioned that Pittsburgh is a team we're not really that interested in a team that we kind of expect to not be that good. How would you start to structure that? Yeah. I mean, I think Tommy was, probably far and away going to be the highest on quarterback on the slate. He's just got the most name recognition, which uh, that, that says something there, right? Uh, Jordan Tomlin, net most name recognition of a quarterback in the league. Yeah. Uh, and at least among people who are playing these DFS contests, right? Um, we, we remember the battle hog Tomu. Um, But uh, if you're going to build around Tomu, which I think is completely fine to do uh, i would not include running back i would certainly focus on trying to get at least two receivers in that lineup with them and and not being afraid to go three because uh let's say tamu plays well enough to support two of them as long as you've got those two you can take you know two catches for 17 yards from the third one like it's fine but you really want to get those shots on goal by saying i believe in the bandits and, uh, you know, Tom carries it the rest of the way. And so um, I think way to get different, if you're thinking Willie's carries some ownership, Jordan Lastly is a name who uh, has been on NFL rosters. NFL rosters he he yeah. played legitimate snaps for the Ravens. Uh, and Rashard Davis was a guy they just recently brought in. Um, and, and I think it's, it's kind of interesting trying to figure out the, the guys who – were recently brought in, obviously not drafted and not part of the supplemental draft, but like strictly like undrafted free agents, you know, did something change in their status, so to speak? Like why was Rashard Davis not drafted? Was he even in the draft pool or was he a late addition? And now the team wanted him. Wanted him, uh, right. Yeah. So like, I think Davis could immediately get into that starting rotation, hopefully. Okay. Um, all right. So while we're watching week one, we got games Saturday and Sunday, what are, uh, I don't know, two or three of the things that you're really like going to be making a note of, like what, what actionable items are we trying to get from there so that we can, I mean, look, let's be honest, probably not going to have a hundred K to first next week. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> right. You know, if the contest bill, we'll see, but this might be the week for it. What are you, what are you hoping to see? Yeah. I mean, the, the DFS gods smiled upon us with this hundred K that was true manna from heaven. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think, 
one thing I'm interested in is like, is there any receiver who just dominates the target share for his team? Um, I think we're going to see all these faces out there now, whether or not we will see them, um, you know, essentially treated the same, you know, Let's say if this were NFL, the number I'd be looking at the most after week one is routes run. Right. Uh, after week one of this, I'm really mostly looking at the targets because I, I don't know that we'll have enough time to play the routes run win out game. You know, I'm looking for which quarterback has a clear preference to targeting certain players. And, and that's the thing I'm wanting to suss out. The running backs will work themselves out on their own. It'll be, it'll be really clear after week one that like BJ Emmons is the first and second down guy and Juwan Washington comes in on third and long. Like that's just how the bandits want to play. Um, you know, we don't know that right now, but that'll become super clear. So I, I'm mostly looking to see target numbers after this first week, because we will see plenty of participation data for sure. But uh how many of these guys have the upside for, you know, just being force fed the ball, you know, that Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams kind of role where the quarterback finds them even when they're not open. Yeah. I mean, like finding the, finding the Cam Phillips, Find finding Cam Phillips. the, the Donald Parham, uh, you know, like, like just, uh, you know, I, I think right now you could reasonably say maybe even the coaches of some of these teams or the quarterbacks don't even really know the answers to the test. Uh, are, are they scrimmaging right now? Like, are you, like, like inter like inner team scrimmages? Um, they're running some team stuff. It's starting to get later in the week. It's Thursday now. So they're starting to lighten up on practices. Um, but yeah, they're still, they're still running some, some practices and shells, you know, shoulder pads and helmet. Um, and, but they did actually have full blown scrimmages last week. Uh, what a light to have definitely been there for that. Some stuff leaked out, um, you know, from the Philadelphia game, what they're doing is they're working out the kinks, not only for the players, but the officiating crew, the right. broadcast crew, they're doing a lot of innovative things. And I think it takes a lot of planning. Like this whole town of Birmingham is like flooded with people with Fox football shirts on that are part of the production crew trying to nail this stuff. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, what you guys are, are offering at run the Sims. I know our, our friends over at rotor grinders are doing some content. I don't even know if it's live yet, but uh, my friend uh, Alex uh, at fear my turtle DFS will be running their stuff um, and, and kind of how to use those tools and, and honestly how to not use those tools, right. How to yeah. be like, Cause you know, there are just going to be some guys who, Oh, this guy's got a great points per dollar projection and he's going to get it's uh, I would honestly consider this experience very similar to like week four preseason NFL DFS, where it's like, we got some reports, but really we're just reading the tea leaves based on who's on the roster and what we know about them. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the strategy is going to depend on how many, uh, lineups you're wanting to build. If you're just wanting one or three, if you're wanting 150, I tend to be a large field player. I like to throw 150 in there when I can, and definitely will be doing that this week. Um, and, and so I think if you're firing up the optimizer, first thing you might want to think about doing is relaxing some of the constraints in terms of say salary used, go ahead and drop that down to a number that might normally make you uncomfortable uh, during a more traditional sport. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with a team that only costs 47 K this week. Like uh, you would never dream of doing that in NFL. Um, but you could certainly do that viably here in the USFL. Um, you know, and then also I think, you know, utilizing some of the rules such as, 
Um, yeah, if I want to make a bunch of bandits lineups uh, super quickly, set min players per bandits for three or four or whatever you want to do and see what it shakes out. Um, yeah, and get the types of lineups that, that you want. And just know that the goal of an optimizer is obviously to spit out as many projected points as possible. Right. Uh, it may not take into consideration how you want to build. So tell it, tell it how you want to build. And that's um, sort of the key to this thing. And that's what prevents everybody from getting the same lineup is uh, focusing on the things that, that work for you. There's also some showdown stuff coming up. Um, I love our simulator for showdown. I think it's great. Um, it basically runs through 5,000 iterations of that game and shows you what the optimal lineup would have been in each of those 5,000. So some of those obviously repeat themselves quite a bit. And uh, those make for great, uh, great entries into uh, the showdown contest. Uh, the showdown prize pool is a little bit small here this opening week. Wouldn't surprise me if like next week we see the sort of main event classic slate decrease in size and some of these showdown slates increase um, as they, you know, people can probably take the USFL in smaller doses and uh, showdown obviously helps with that. Yeah, uh, which I, I think is maybe even better for this style of football because mm -hmm. then defenses and kickers become more interesting. Right. And, you know, obviously no kicker in the main slate and uh, you know, defenses are, are uh, part of it, but well, I'm hoping that we don't have too many defensive special teams uh, breaking slates, but because the scores will be lower um, and, and honestly, because the salary constraints, like, you know, there are just, there are going to be guys who pop up with like, oh, that guy hasn't had a touch in three weeks. And then all of a sudden yeah. he was the starting X wide receiver for this game or whatever. Uh, so yeah. I think the, I think the showdown contest will be fairly interesting. So there we go. Do we have, do we have some, uh, do you have predictions or hot takes for, for week one so far? Are we not even there yet? <laughs> I mean, I don't even know what would be considered a hot take uh, so far at this point. But uh, how about this? Here's one for you. Uh, the MVP at the end of the year for the USFL will be Brian Scott, quarterback, Philadelphia Stars. Book it. Okay, that is, I, that's really good. Uh, I am going to go, let's see here. What is my hot take? Who's Michigan's quarterback? I'm going to say Jeff Bidette, who people remember. He was supposed to be a stud in the XFL. He wasn't. He got signed to the Washington football team practice squad. I don't, I don't know if he ever, maybe he ended up getting activated for a game. I can't remember, but I'm going to say he, he totally redeems himself that he, that, that the renegade, he was not a good fit for that offense because they didn't want to throw down the field at all. And I'm saying that, uh, that our old friend, Jeff Bidette, uh, redeems himself and leads the league in receiving yards with, uh, with Shea Patterson or Paxton Lynch as his quarterback. I love it. And uh, here, here's a, another hot take for you. Uh, he will be the recipient of a double pass touchdown from Marcus Ball, tight end from uh, the Michigan Panthers. Amazing. So, so this league has the same rule as the XFL where you can throw the ball again? Yep. Double forward pass as long as it's behind the line of scrimmage. Yep. Okay. I wonder, I wonder if, if any of these teams are going to take that seriously. Because I uh, remember – uh, the Seattle everybody thought they were going to do it and then nobody ever did it. That's well, Seattle even had Keenan Reynolds playing wide receiver, who was a quarterback at Navy. So we we're like, Oh yeah, he's gonna, he's <laughs> gonna do it. And I, I don't remember, I I'm sure it happened, but I don't remember any team actually doing it. Yeah. It happened no more than three times if it happened at all. Yeah. Uh, all right, man. Uh, do we have, do we have a discount code or anything for run the Sims before we get out of here? Yeah, let's uh, let's go with uh, 
man, I had my code here a while ago. Um, but yeah, go check out runthesims.com. We've got a lot of really cool stuff going on over there right now. Uh, we've got our optimizer. We've got our simulator, which is great for showdown. We even just posted some really cool stuff for prize picks. Prize picks has put out lines for this. And to me, uh, some of those numbers are way off. So we're telling our folks to go over there and hit that as quick as they can. Use code USFL launch. How about that? That's a, it's a mouthful. USFL launch, and you get 10% off a subscription if you can use that. Um, and uh, so a subscription is only 99 bucks. So why not? Go ahead and do it. There we go. All right, Justin, thanks for hopping on. And uh, everyone will be back next week. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The legends are true. We're overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes. The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.